Sometimes folks do this to me, like, because I know some things about Jesus, like they want to ask me about astrophysics. Hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a very smart man, but he is a great example of someone who has assumed that because he is an expert in astrophysics, give me an argument for why the resurrection of Jesus is historically reliable. He's probably not going to know why. Hmm. NFTs of the future, bro. I don't want to miss out on this one. It's my way to get rich quick. Bruce Lawn. So this is a video. Uh, read the title of the video to me, Zach. The problem with really smart people. The problem with very really smart people, okay? And this is something that I see all the time. This is a bias we exhibit, and it, it's not always helpful. Now here, this is a channel called How Money Works. It's actually a really interesting channel in terms of stuff like investment, thinking about financial literacy, that sort of thing. But I came across this, and I thought this is a good topic for us to talk about because – Sometimes folks do this to me, like, because I know some things about Jesus, like they want to ask me about astrophysics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I, yeah. I, I don't know, bro. Like, go ask an astrophysicist. It's very annoying to people who have an IQ of 160 that they can also be completely useless. But it happens a lot. So. <laughs> Cognitive miserliness can cause us to be swayed by irrelevant information and our own feelings. For example, leading us to poor financial decisions when buying a house. It can also explain why apparently intelligent people can fall for fake news if they rely too much on the gist rather than the details of a statement. There's a growing sense that intellectuals of all stripes are producing knowledge cynically with a certain agenda in mind. And if you're looking for the stuff that comes out of policy institutes, think tanks, and the speaking circuit, you're not wrong. There is a problem with really smart people that is making you dumber and poorer. Social media platforms like YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook have allowed an unrestricted access to the greatest minds in the world. It's also let us interact with these people instead of only being able to read their curated publishing. Being able to watch hours of interviews with world-renowned scientists or tweet directly with influential business people is amazing, but it creates five big problems. And when these very smart people start talking about investing in personal finance, those problems end up costing regular people lots of money. So, uh, first of all, great intro on this, right? The, the the layout of this, I think, is, is brilliant. And this is 100% something that all of us are dealing with. And so he's going to break this down meticulously. And I think it's important for all of us to consider this, including you guys that watch me. Don't be asking me about stuff that I don't know about and then expect me to give you an answer. And also be careful with assuming that a creator can give generalized advice accurately. Mm. Gary Vee can't give all of us generalized advice. Dave Ramsey can't give all of us generalized advice. There are certain principles that people can point back to as best practices, but unless somebody knows you, they can't always give you like counsel about your marriage in a yep. YouTube stream. <laughs> you know, like yeah. so we got we have to tread lightly with with some of this stuff. Go ahead. To become a doctor, someone either needs to obtain a medical degree or complete a doctorate. Both very difficult academic challenges that demonstrate a high level of intellect in a very narrow field. A doctorate is a project of new research that might research something that nobody outside of that specific field of academia has ever heard of. New research is still very important, but the skills and knowledge that make it possible to publish a study of the abundance of distributions along the minor axis of the galactic bulge don't translate to making someone a genius in another field that they have not dedicated as much time to. For those of you who didn't pause the video to look up that joke, that was the title of Neil deGrasse Tyson's PhD. Mm. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a very smart man, but he is a great example of someone who has assumed that because he is an expert in astrophysics, he is automatically the smartest person in any conversation about anything. <laughs> Dang, they they called this man out for kind of facts. Yeah. They said, and he assumed it too, not just people yeah. watching. Yeah, and 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 this isn't just him. This is everybody. This mm. is everybody who's who who's an expert in one thing tends to slide in thinking they're an expert in multiple things. Yikes! Go ahead. Sometimes smart people can act stupidly thanks to the people who are around us. The false authority bias, or the expert fallacy, is a well-documented psychological trap that us humans frequently fall into, and it's not really anybody's fault. 
a recognized expert in one field will automatically have a platform that draws people to ask them questions. The smart person will try their best to answer the questions, even if they are slightly outside of their direct area of expertise. Then there are more, there are more transcendental numbers than there are irrational numbers. He's just making stuff up as he goes. That was a great <laughs> clip. That's literally what someone that sounds like when they're just making stuff up as they go. Just making it up. You're just making it, bro. <laughs> but what was it? That was a um, uh, false appeal to authority fallacy. So because somebody's an authority in one field, then they the fallacy is to them and to the viewer that they know everything about everything. And then they're on an Indian wearing an Indian Jones hat on a Joe Rogan podcast, just talking, just talk, just, just winging talking, it. winging it. <laughs> Using Neil deGrasse Tyson as an example again, he is not the world's foremost expert on black holes, but he could comfortably answer any question the average person would have about them. Will like a black hole be able to suck in another black hole? Ooh, good question. <laughs> it's not past your bedtime right <laughs> If the smart person gains a reputation for being able to answer people's questions, they will attract more questions from a larger audience about things that are outside of their area of expertise. Neil deGrasse Tyson is not a particle physicist, but if documentary producers want him to talk about fusion energy, he is going to need to do his best. Eventually, he's asked questions about fields that he has no expertise in, and he makes some bad takes that most people still believe because he is the smart guy on TV. The real-life Rick, Rick Sanchez with no humor about him or wit or really anything good about Rick Sanchez, the only thing he has from Rick is that he's into science and he doesn't give a shit about anything, I guess. I am sorry, Neil. I don't want to pick on you, but your Twitter feed and Joe Rogan appearances just make you too perfect of an example. The very smart people don't even want to spread misinformation, but because they are smart, they get asked a lot more questions, which results in them giving more good answers and more bad answers. Anyway, Neil deGrasse Tyson might be the king of overly self-confident. Oh, they got the FTX guy yeah. on there? Yeah, well, you know, the tough part is he does know more about stuff that he's asked about than most of us. He could get me at least one to ten percent closer so he's gonna give yeah. a better answer than the average person but he also doesn't fully understand about topic like if we were to ask him about like hey neil give me an argument for why the resurrection of jesus is historically reliable he's probably not gonna know why that is you yeah. know and that's not his area of expertise mm -hmm. but he could probably finesse an answer yeah. <laughs> you know? That's the thing he knows nothing about. But at least he hasn't started telling you how to invest yet. And the false authority problem opens up four other problems that are much worse. Problem number two with really smart people is what we let them get away with. Enron was the greatest fraud in corporate American history. Senior leadership at the company has supposedly grown it from a humble energy provider to a conglomerate with advanced business systems in a range of fields making money in ways that were just too complicated for the average person to understand. You know, Enron had make, made contributions to a lot of people around Washington, D.C. And if they came to this administration looking for help, they didn't find any. A lot of investors bought this, and the firm's leadership even gained the unofficial title of the smartest men in the room. We now know that the only advanced systems those managers were controlling were the accounting practices that falsified revenue figures, which led to the company being massively overvalued by investors. Whoops. Enron's executives were smart people, and that meant that the average person just accepted that they were doing the right thing. A very smart person has been a central figure in most corporate frauds. Bernie Madoff was a veteran trader that was changing how money was made on Wall Street. Elizabeth Holmes was the brilliant student who dropped out of Stanford to start a biotech company. And Sam Bankman-Fried built a lot of the marketing for FTX around his persona as an eccentric genius. Even Charles Ponzi, <laughs> the original American fraudster, got away with his scams because he was exceptionally good at convincing people that what he was doing was too complicated for them to understand, and that they should just give him their money and stop asking too many questions. Each of these companies had industry insiders raising concerns about their business practices simply not making sense a long time before their frauds fell apart. So why do people fall for scams? Well, self-confidence is often a big factor that causes people to fall for scams. Mm. People who believe they are too smart or too well-informed to be tricked are often quite likely to become scam victims. Mm. People also make bad decisions when they become emotional. It's everybody with NFTs, right? 
Yeah, once you start, you feel like you know everything about it, so you just start over-investing. Or, or it's just you just lean off the authority of other people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary V said it, so yeah. I'm in. NFTs are the future, bro. I don't want to miss out on this one. It's my way to get rich quick. Yeah, man. You know? I think this is... We just saw a bunch of this. We just saw a bunch of people fall into the NFT scam specifically, but then Bitcoin crashed, mm -hmm. and you saw a lot of really not-so-good situations come out of this exact type of thinking. As a once-in-a-generation genius, it was easy for these companies to quell the concerns or write it off as the jealous establishment trying to raise fear, uncertainty, and doubt about their world-changing business. Telling a real genius apart from someone that needs you to believe that they are a genius is the hard part. But if a company places too much attention on how smart their CEO is, it's normally a bad sign. As a counterpoint to these examples, quantitative hedge funds like Renaissance, Citadel, and Two Sigma use advanced algorithms to try to beat the stock market. But apart from the incredibly complex math and software engineering they employ, anybody working at these firms could explain what they do to an average investor that had even the basic understanding of markets and trading. Problem number three with smart people is that success is not always an indication of good advice. We know that the average person puts a heavy weighting on the advice of smart people, but even the smartest people in the world don't know how you should invest your money. This is, I talk about this with regards to the issue of people who are accidentally successful. There are people who are successful at something and they can't tell you exactly why they're successful. So then they give you generalized advice on stuff that has nothing to do with how to make you more successful. It is just straight full-fundities. It's hard work, man. Yep. Years of years and years of hard work, not giving up, believing in myself. And and honestly, just being authentic to me. Yep. Being authentic to me is really what made me pop off. <laughs> hey, you want to see something crazy? 67% of the people who watch this channel are not subscribed. Do me a quick favor. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you stay up to date on all the videos here on the Bless God Studios channel. I'm saying the speculation, the speculation is a, a sure way to get yourself scammed, which is basically a pyramid scam, right? Because you're, you, somebody is going to hold the, hold the bag at the bottom. And I would refer you to CoffeeZilla's work on this stuff. Um, th that's what I'm talking about. The actual technology is what it is, you know, when you're mining Bitcoin or whatever. But the speculation that Bitcoin is not a utility, it's an investment. <laughs> That's a big one. Yeah. <laughs> ETH is not an, it's a utility, it's not an investment. There's a massive difference. And so I think that is, and then you're speculating that it's going to go up and that's how you're going to get rich. Instead of saying, as the scriptures say, wealth is attained little by little, little by little over time. Mm -hmm. Right? So, um, go ahead. Personal thing, because it needs to consider your income, objectives, risk tolerance, tax strategies, and current financial position. And as I was saying, general, generalized advice. You're just, you're just shooting from the hip giving generalized advice. And generalized advice in people's situations that you don't know anything about. I'll give you guys a, a, an example, and this, is, this hurts to say this. Oh. Dave Ramsey's best practices for buying a home. Yeah. Right? Like, I passed up on buying a home in 2011, 2012, 2013, when I could have afforded to buy a home because we had W-2 income, 2000, well, up until 2015, really. And because Ramsey's advice was you either got to buy a home cash mm -hmm. or you got to put 20% down to avoid PMI. You're like, I'm doing it. Or don't buy a home because you can't afford it. Mm. And what he didn't factor in was that there were people who live in Southern California yep. that where it's nearly impossible to put 20% cash that would have stood to benefit just getting into something bilaterally than to not. and Spending I, 12 years renting. Yeah, then spending 12 years renting. And so I could acknowledge that, like, that generalized advice probably 
costed me half a million dollars in equity because because everybody who bought a home back then bought it for three three fifty yep you know and now all those homes are worth eight hundred k eight hundred k you know and so and I could have bought a home sold a home bought another home I didn't and so that's the issue with the generalized advice mm-hmm. that advice is probably good for ninety five percent of Americans hey live on less than what you make make sure you can get something you can afford, 25% of your income, your mortgage should be 25%. Of that. that advice isn't really relevant if you're in a major city, though. Chicago, yeah. LA, San Francisco, Seattle, that's not, that that ain't that ain't going to work. San Diego, that's not going to work. That, that advice is not going to work here. And so he's kind of softened his position on that. But nevertheless, I mean, it's on me ultimately. Like, I drank the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. So just be careful who you're taking generalized advice from. Try to get the principle, extract the principle, and not the letter of the law. The spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. The problem for a lot of people is advice can be expensive, and licensed professionals are also obligated to give people cold hard truths that they might not want to hear, such as you're never going to get rich earning $50,000 a year. People don't want to hear this, so they look to smart people who are not afraid to give good advice to see what they recommend. Someone like Meet Kevin is obviously ah. a smart guy, because he has made millions of dollars investing into real estate and meme stocks, and then millions more by talking about investing into real estate and meme stocks on the internet. The advice he gives carries a lot of weight, because he presents himself as an in-the-know figure that is willing to teach you the secrets of becoming wealthy from humble beginnings like he did. Yep. Compare this to a boomer like Richard from The Plain Bagel, who is only going to lecture you about how your portfolio is never going to moon, and that you should instead take your time to write out clear objectives and work those into a realistic budgeting and investing plan. Boring! Boo! Boo! I won't go to the moon! I want to go to the moon. I don't want to get rich in five years. I want to get rich this year. Yeah, that's a. L. I'd rather be broke for ten years and not get rich fast than than right. you know what I'm saying. Right. It's like, bruh. Obviously, this guy is an idiot. He still works a regular day job and doesn't have a private jet. A lot of flashy financial influencers have used the fact that they are rich and you are not as an indication that they are smart and that you should listen to them. And that's that. I truly believe that influencer marketing is ruining the finance industry, is ruining the, the industry I work in. A lot of these people probably believe their own hype, so to speak, and actually think that their path to success is repeatable without the advantages or good fortune they had along the way. The psychologist Paul Piff ran an experiment at the University of California that invited pairs of strangers to play a game of Monopoly. The game of Monopoly is already a balance of skill and luck, but the researchers decided to skew that this balance crazy, heavily in favor of this luck. Is a crazy the game was rigged so that one player would start out with twice as much money, get to roll four dice to move around the board faster, and got twice as much money when they passed go. Paul Piff's hypothesis was that the player with the obvious advantage would be embarrassed by the situation and try and help out the other players with a nope. clear just nope advantage. The researchers instead found the opposite. Piff said in the report he published that in various ways, through body language and boasting about their wealth, by smacking their pieces loudly against the playing board and making light of their opponent's misfortune, the rich players began to act as though they deserved the good fortune that was largely a result of their luck. After the game was over, the researchers interviewed the winning players and asked them why they think they had won Pause the it. game. This is like the folks that like their parents helped them buy their first home. Yeah. And they're like, yo, I earned it, bro. I got it out the mud. Yo, I, you know, I started and we, I just have my it's hard my, work, bro. I just manifested it. Hard work. I just, <laughs> wait, uh, so did they tell the players, the rich players, that they started with more? Yeah, or? I think so. Oh, wow. Yep. Yep. The players gave breakdowns of their strategies and best plays, but none of them attributed their success to luck. In the real world, the same psychological <laughs> effect can happen. That's and people that have been funny. given a lot of advantages can attribute their own action to their success and disregard their advantages. I'm going to say the word. I'm going to say the word. They're going to hate me. You guys ready? Everybody ready for the word? Uh-oh. You guys ready for the word? They're not ready for the word. The word is... Privilege. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's true though right 
Uh-oh. Do you know it's true? <laughs> it is a degree, it is a degree of blind privilege, not understanding that, like, for yo, if you if someone helped you buy your first home, yeah. Buy a home, <laughs> buy a house, buy a house <laughs> that now you get to have equity in. That's insane. Yeah. But that but but how often do people recognize that you you are coming from an advantage, you know? And obviously there's a there's a there's a there's a spectrum there, right? There's a spectrum. Like the fact that I am of able body and sound mind is a privilege, right? The fact that I've had just enough bad things happen to me in my life to put a chip on my shoulder, but just enough Jesus to help me work through my trauma and become a functional human that can contribute to society. It's a privilege. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it, it's so fascinating that, that we don't we don't acknowledge these things, but there are a lot of people out here that literally think they're self-made. And like, bro, and we know we know folks like this. Yeah. Like we know someone right now that that, you, that I found out about who their parents literally helped them get into a house in the middle of the hottest market ever. That's crazy. You know what I mean? And they're like, they're like, yeah, man, really, <laughs> really uh worked. That's crazy. I know uh, me and my wife have our baby on the way. And so my mom did foster care previously, like up until pretty much we announced that uh, my wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, cool, we're not going to do any more foster babies. We're ready for grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And it's like, here's everything we have from our nursery because mm -hmm. they did babies. Yep. So I'm like, I mean, thousands of dollars of stuff that yep. we would have had to buy. Yes. Filling our nursery that we're planning to, you know, that we're slowly putting together. But, like, lots of stuff that I did not have to buy. And I'm looking around, I'm like, there's a lot of things here that I can see how if you're expecting a child, yeah. it's overwhelming. Oh, yeah. So much money you got to oh, yeah. put into, like, all the little things. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, Thanks, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, oh, yeah. there's oh, yeah. nothing wrong with that. If you can set your kids up to do better than you, that's a massive W. That's great. The issue is when people don't have the self-awareness mm -hmm. to acknowledge <laughs> the hand that they've been dealt. Yeah. Right? And and so and we can go so many different directions about it, right? And but but it is a reality for people. Like it, it, and it's and it's listen, me and my wife just bought our first home at 38. Goals. You know, we had and we and guess what? We had a bunch of friends that got into homes when they were 28. Why? Wow. Because their parents helped them, their grandparents helped them. Yeah, man. So what are we doing? We're not mad about that. Like I'm, I'm cool because I know, like, you know, I have certain privileges and advantages. Praise God. But I also know that I'm going to set up my kids. Yep. And I'm investing in their future now. We money comes out every single month, and it, and it goes into a fund for my kids in the future, so they could have an advantage. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a lack of advantage. It's it's, yes. it's the lack of self awareness that I think drives people. To be like, bro, you're you're out of control. Like, you really don't get that your life is different. And I and this stuff I got to talk tell, tell my son all the time. You know, you know, certain kids don't get three meals a day. Mm. You're complaining. You, you telling you, them that? Yeah, you're complaining about what, you're what, such a typical dad. what your mom made, <laughs> and you trying to throw an attitude about what your mom made. Oh, you're like, so funny, bro, bro. There's kids that don't that don't that don't have both parents in the home. There's yeah. kids that don't ever get to buy anything from Target. You you get something every other time we go to Target, you know? Yeah. Does he so, it, how does he receive it? Does he like you just see a kid brain kind of like absorbing it? Or is he like, oh, uh, dad's told me this a million times I've, before? I say it to him, and now that he has friends that don't have their dad, or he has family members uh, that don't have their dad, 
I think it's it, it becomes more real. And then mm. he also understands how it impacts their behaviors. And so I think he's seeing the the truth lived out gotcha. with his friends that their mom is a single mom yeah. and the and the juxtaposition of his life and their life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think he's 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 seeing it, you know. Because at the very least, it should create gratitude. And gratitude is also practiced. Every night when we do prayer time, we open with what are your praise reports. Before you ever start yep. praying for anything, what are your praise? And even in our prayer time, we try not to pray just for ourselves. We primarily try to pray for other people, you know? Hey, this clip is from our daily after-party stream. If you enjoyed it, consider signing up for our Patreon community for only $5 a month where you get access to the replays of our daily after-party streams as well as the uncut extended versions of our podcast, Discord access that's private, and a discount code for our merch store, only $5 a month. And ultimately, it's the best way to help us conceptualize the gospel of Jesus using media, podcasting, and of course, YouTube. The link for that is in the description or in the pinned comment. The perks are amazing. You should get on there. It's only $5 a month. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.